Leadership growth requires courage for all of us. On this Saturday cast, the power of moving forward in the midst of discomfort. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 611. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversation. This is one of the Saturday casts. A few times a year here, I air a episode on a Saturday that's a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners. The next regular episode is still coming on Monday, so this is a bonus conversation. The Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is an intensive cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to create movement in their leadership development and organizational results. You can discover more and find out about future opportunities to apply for the Academy by going over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. Today, I am pleased to be able to welcome an alum of our academy, George Elzate. He is a senior manager for R&D at PepsiCo. He's been an active leader in Toastmasters for 12 years and is an alum of the Coaching for Leaders Academy. George also goes by Jorge or George. It just depends on the day, right, George? (laughs) That's right, Dave. (laughs) I am so glad to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dave. First of all, this is an honor and privilege to be able to be on this podcast as a member of the the Academy. I got an opportunity to to know you and to understand you better after having listened to so many podcasts. So it's, it's I'm truly grateful for this opportunity. Well, I feel the same way. I mean, the, the thing that I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, the thing that really changed for me was I went four or five years before the Academy started of the podcast, and it was wonderful and joyful. And yet I never had a strong connection with a lot of our listeners on a regular basis. I mean, people would reach out, of course. But once the Academy started, getting to really work with you and so many others personally over a long period of time has been so joyful and it's so much fun. And I just feel so much gratitude for how much I've learned. I probably learned more today from our Academy members than I even do studying the experts. It's been so helpful to me. So thank you for being a part of that. And and actually that leads me to the first thing I'm curious about is how did you even find the podcast originally? Do you recall how you came across it? Yeah, the podcast. I've, I've been listening to podcasts since about 2010, 2011, but most of they were entertainment podcasts that I listened to. When I became a, a, a team leader at PepsiCo R&D in 2019 or so, I, I was looking for, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, so I was looking for what can I do to, to learn more about leadership, to get more immersed in, in leadership and in the theory now that I'm an actual leader. So I said, hey, Instead of listening to comedy podcasts, let me look up some leadership podcasts. So obviously, I did search and yours came up and I said, let me listen to some of this. And I was instantly hooked. Oh, I'm so glad that you put your trust in me and, and all of us along the way to support you. You know, At some point, you decided after listening to, you'd heard about the Academy, you decided to apply for it. What prompted you to do that? Yeah, that was... Shortly after, about a year after becoming a, a, a leader in my organization, I saw that 
the situation where I was was very different from what I, I thought it would be. And that's just the, the logistics of it. My team was in another city, in Mexico City, another culture. And I was in New York. And just the, the, the structure of the org was really spread out. And I looked and I heard about this academy. I thought, this is, this is something that I think I, I, I definitely would benefit. It's not going to harm me, but I think this would help me, especially it's remote. And now I'm going to be working fully remote. And it was at the time of the pandemic. I remember that. So like, I was like, hmm, this might be a good opportunity here. And my organization was, was on board with it. Definitely this type of learning they thought would benefit me. And, and I went for it. What did you hope to get out of it when you were applying in the initial stages? Oh, Dave, it was totally different. I had, I had no idea what it, what it was, but I was hoping to get, I was just, I was hoping to get a little bit deeper understanding of what I thought I was good at, which was being a good listener, being a good coach, being a good mentor to my team and just sharpening those skills and maybe some reps because there would be a cohort. So I would, Hey, let me listen to their issues, problems, and how they solve it. So just maybe get tips. That was it. Yeah. You, you mentioned to me at some point that you had had this vision of the Academy being kind of like a glorified book club of like, Hey, I'm going to hear a little bit more, get a little more perspective than I might have otherwise. It ended up being different for you than that though. What was, what was different? Like what was surprising to you? It was, it was totally different. I was not prepared for, for what it, what it became. The big, the the big surprise, the pleasant was, was writing the the vision five, three to five year vision. I'd never done anything like that. I, I write down my goals. Sure. But, but not, not so intense, so detailed, but then the, the accountability of meeting with five totally different individuals, totally different industries, different parts of the country, that dynamic was really tough for me. It was tough for me to um, to come to grips with that. And and I've said it before when I when I talk about that experience, I, I think every week I had to meet with you. It wasn't it wasn't every week, it was every two weeks. Right. But it was it was and it was on a Monday. So I, I came to dread those those meetings because they were very difficult for me. But things that are good for you, that are good for the spirit, tend to be difficult. It's because the ego wants you to avoid those things. Mm. Tell me more about the dread, because you shared with that with me later on. I didn't know that at the time, that you were dreading showing up initially for the sessions. What was the part that felt like dread to you? Part of it is, I think the, the surface of it is the accountability. So you are giving, we have a 90-day plan to work on based on the vision. What have you been doing in the last week, two weeks to work on this 90-day plan to get you to work? step one of where you want to be. And the people in my in, in the cohort ask each other, how, how did you do what you do? So there's kind of, you want to be honest, you don't want to lie about, maybe you haven't done anything. So I, I want to be sure that I've got something to tell. And if I don't, I don't want to dance around that issue. So, so that type of dread, that's the, the, the surface of it. But another thing that I've come to realize, and this is only for me personally, and that has nothing to do with the people in my cohort. They're wonderful people, wonderful people. I, I benefit so much from them. For me, it's the dynamic of the group session. So I'm very comfortable 
one-on-one, and I'm, I'm, an, I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm less comfortable as the group of people increases. And I've, I've, I've been reflecting on this. One of the reasons why also, when you couple that with the accountability, is because of this concept that in, in team dynamics, social loafing. So when you when you when your group is like four or five or six and you're all collectively working on a goal, someone tends to do less work. And because I'm a very responsible individual, I would never want to be that one per I would never want to be perceived as that one person who's doing the least work, who's making the least progress. And that was creating some some anxiety for me and dread during those sessions. Yeah. Yeah, you said the word ego a few minutes ago, and I remember you telling me that you felt like at some point it was your kind of ego getting in the way. And I think you told me at some point it it was you realized it wasn't them, it was me. What part of it was you? The part of it that was me, obviously, coming into it thinking that I knew what I I knew what I was about. I knew the type of leader that I was. I knew that I knew what I wanted, and then having to sh- to prove that to my peers, my ego took a hit because I realized I didn't know I didn't know what I really wanted. I wasn't sure about what I really wanted because I wasn't sure about how to get there. Uh, because I was I wasn't having that quick success. Yeah, it is always it's interesting when we start because and you may recall this that one of the things we talk about at the very beginning is let's set a vision for two to three years out and get really clear on where we want to go. But we don't talk about the how to do it very intentionally at the beginning. It's like, let's get the target down first, and then we get into the tactics. And that's that's a stretch for some of our members because they kind of want to get in the tactics right away. And it really does require us to take a step back and to think like, okay, big picture, like, what are we doing? Like, where are we trying to head to? And once the target's clear, the tactics become a lot easier but it does require us to like stop and think and look at the big picture. And that's, um, for some people, I've learned over the years, for some people that comes really naturally. And for some people, that's really a struggle of, of getting into that place of just thinking about the future. Yeah, for sure. I'm one of those people. I struggle with the big picture, for sure. You decided as part of that vision that one of the things that you really wanted to work on was building relationships, building your network of reaching out more. How did you start in the academy to begin to approach that? This was, I, I believe I had, one of my first steps was, was, I think, being responsive. Not sitting on an email, that's difficult. If it becomes my the, the frog that you've got to eat, that you kind of procrastinate, you avoid doing that if it's a, a difficult response. So if I waited more than a day, then it was it was a negative. But if I responded right away, being proactive, then I kind of gave myself a blue marble, as I like to call them, which is a prize. So the more that I I tracked, hey, I was proactive in this response. I didn't procrastinate on it, or I, I was proactive in reaching out to this person. Then I, I knew that I was taking that first step to build trust with that person. Tell me about the blue marble because I remember you telling us about that in the cohort, and there's there was there was a whole process you created for yourself. 
Yeah, this this concept of blue marbles, it's not something I invented. It comes from a book I read called Winning Conditions by uh-huh. Christine Hoffbeck. She calls them red marbles. It's that the work that you do that's reaching out to people, creating relationships, respond. It could be something like commenting on, on their LinkedIn posts, connecting with people, asking for help, asking for help. Those type of actions contribute to letting people know that you're engaged, that you're motivated, that you're somebody who's involved, who, 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 is, who is eager, who's, who's happy to be there. And then contrast that with mundane tasks, with things that are easy, things that I use to procrastinate, which is just look at email, read the emails, go to the grocery store, get up before a cup of coffee, you know, more mundane tasks. So the more, the more blue marbles that I can build up in a day, the more that I know that that day was productive in terms of making sure that I'm putting my best foot forward in my professional environment. Am I remembering correctly that at some point you even got a jar and phys- got physical marbles and like would drop them in the jar when you had 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 done something like that? No, but I probably should have done something <laughs> like that. No, I have I have an app on my phone called Habit Hub, and I've got ah. a, habit, a habit called blue marbles. <laughs> no. Oh, interesting. So when you do it, like you record it there, and so there's some like tracking behind it. Yes. Yes. Huh. I was much more aggressive in the beginning. I had I had to get five a week, which is basically one a day. It's interesting you say that because I mean, part of you know this, but for everyone else, the academy is. I mean, we're really big on consistency, not intensity, and the consistency mm-hmm. is five minutes a day. It's right. To, I mean, you literally did that with the blue marble, right? Once a day, yeah. I'm going to do one thing that I normally wouldn't have done on my own. And for each person, that's different. For each commitment, it's different. But it's something that like moves us forward toward the bigger vision. And you showed up with the intention. In fact, we didn't even mention this yet. I know one of the biggest intentions you had was like, what's the right role I want to have? And I remember you telling me early on, like, if I'm going to work toward this role within the organization, that I need to actually develop this skill set better of building relationships, of being the person that's connecting, and yes, still honoring like the introverted preference that you and I both have, but being willing to also do one of those blue marvels a day. And you did that. You just started doing that consistently, five minutes a day of starting to make those reach outs and tracking it and staying accountable to it. Yeah, for sure. That trajectory halfway through the academy and what I was doing in terms of looking to change my role to, to, to better my my position at my company, it was amazing to me. It was just, it was like the universe, I had the universe in alignment. And I do believe it was because of not only those the, the activities that I was doing, but also the environment that you set up in the academy where you could test those new abilities in a safe environment. So an example is the extracurricular activities that you set up in, in, in the academy where you have a coaching corner, where you have people posting on that internal network, the member portal, and they're reaching out to people. Hey, I, I heard you say this. Let, let's have a conversation. We're, we're not in each other's cohort, but let's have a conversation about that, or I can help you with this problem. So getting the, those reps doing that in a safe environment, I realized, hey, wow, this is, I thought this is difficult for me. I, I avoid this like the plague, but I'm doing it. Let me try it in 
at work at PepsiCo. Mm. And, and I started doing it. And I, I would reach out to people. Sometimes they responded. Sometimes they didn't. And that's okay. I have conversations with them. And I've acquired a mentor, a senior leader. And just it seemed like things were falling into place. And then a role opened up that I looked at that role and I said, oh, my God, this role, I've been working towards this for the last five years. I've been trying diligently, getting certifications, getting new experience, becoming a mentor to junior members, getting my MBA. All, all of it has been to, get, to, to be the best candidate for this role. And it happened right at the end, after I had left the academy. And I did the interviews, and I knew because I had just done the academy that the reason I was successful in those interviews because my academy experience and the way I was able to talk to what I really wanted. The way I was able to articulate what the value that I could bring to the organization, what my career trajectory had been, what I really wanted for my team, my contributions to the company, that's, that's what got me that, the role, and that's the role that I'm in right now. It's it's such a testament to your consistency and your integrity. And I love that you started where it was simple. I think a lot of us, I, I certainly fall in this category. I know you do. A lot of folks in our listening community are the kind of people that we have really high standards for ourselves. And when we're trying to do something new, we tend to set the bar really high and we want to get as good as, as good as we could do like right out of the gate. And yet, when it comes to behavior change, it's actually helpful to start with something really simple and to set the bar low and to start building our confidence. And you did that like so in- intentionally at the start of, like you said, getting comfortable, reaching out, making those connections just inside with our cohort and then eventually within other members of just our academy community. And then I love that you had the realization. And in fact, one point I remember like really you telling me like, hey, why am I not doing this internally at PepsiCo? Like the things that I'm doing here, and you actually stopped doing as much within our membership community and turned your attention more to like, how would I do this more internally? And started like those blue marble moments started to happen inside the organization. And I think that's super cool that you made that pivot. And But the, you started really small and you built your confidence and eventually went to a place of like, hey, this is important now. I'm ready and I've got enough of the repetitions where I feel like I could do this internally. Yeah, it might be a case of when, 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 when a student is ready, the teacher appears. I was kicking myself that I've been in the company 20 years and I had never tied, done that, that type of outreach, that type of engagement with people outside of my work group that I had done when I was in the academy. So it was like, this is, this is so great, but I don't work for myself. I'm not in a small company. I, I have a global network of people that I can reach out to across the world on every in any country. I can dream up any excuse that, that'll justify me reaching out to that person and, and, and see if we, I can make a connection. Well, and I think it's really ironic that now your role today is really centered around <laughs> the relationships and actually doing so yeah. much of that as part of the role, right? It, it definitely is. It is pretty ironic that this role fell in my lap at, at, at the time that it did because of the growth and development that I achieved in the academy. And now this role is making me directly accountable for it. And, mm. and in, in a really 
perfect way because I'm leading a team of project analysts, very talented people, and I get to coach them and mentor them and serve as the champion of their projects, which I'm very comfortable doing. But now, equally, if not more important, is the relationship building aspect of the role. I'm directly accountable for certain functional areas in R&D to build their digital solutions, to work with them, to translate their their business needs into, into digital solutions to software applications. So I need to be reaching out to them, making new connections, building trust so that they can come to me with, hey, I have a problem that I need your help on to build a solution. And that needs to be a daily accountability. So having this framework that I worked on in the academy where I'm setting up goals for myself with the blue marbles, reaching out to people, they send me an email or I have to, I have to set up a meeting. And now this daily action that, that I know that I've done already, it's really going to help me in this new role, which is so different, which is such a change from what I've done in the past. So it, it, it's, it's just the way it, it aligned. It's perfect to help me continue growing my career. And I'm very thankful for that. But I'm a year in and still I find myself procrastinating and, and not reaching out and, and needing to improve on, on, on building relationships. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reapplying a lot of the lessons that I learned to, to overcome that. Well, I appreciate you saying that because anytime we're trying to make behavior change, it's rarely an on-off switch for any of us. It's progress, right? It's I was doing something 0% of the time, and now I'm doing it 5%, and now I'm doing it 28%, and now I'm two-thirds of the time I'm doing it. As long as we're generally heading in that direction, that's huge. That's success, isn't it? Yeah, that is success, and that's a great way to look at it, This, this, this that, that percentage, being able to measure things. I'm, I'm so big on that. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. If you can't manage it, you can't improve it. And, and now I have that where I can, I, I know, oh, maybe I'm, I haven't reached out to this, this whole functional area in, in over two months. If I'm not reaching out to people, if I'm not checking in with them periodically, consistently, then I'm not, I, I can't do my job. I can't, I can't be effective. So I'm at zero. <laughs> How can I get to, to 5%? How can I get to 10%? Yeah, it's huge. When I worked at Dale Carnegie, we would talk about confidence. Because confidence was something that many of us sought, me too, and also many of the participants who would come and take our classes. Everyone wanted to get more confident in speaking, in communication, and handling difficult situations. And we'd often we'd often end up in a conversation with our course participants that confidence is what we all want, and courage is the starting point to get there. Right? Like it's not like you just show up one day and you have confidence. It, it, you have to start almost always, with having fear and doubt and maybe even, like you said, dread about doing something new. And yet, like the title of the book that I love says, feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Like the courage to just start. And you started with that courage and you had that courage. And then eventually it came to a place where you had more confidence. I don't know how you where your confidence level is today with it, but it's definitely different than it was a couple of years ago, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. That that fear, doubt, and dread, it, it's difficult. But I've I've realized that the more I feel it, the more I, I have to put my my focus and shine shine the light on it because that's where I need to go. And if I'm not going there, then I'm not gonna grow. Do you still feel that fear 
each day when you reach out and and make make those connections and reach out, especially new interactions? Yes, I do. I do. Um, that'll always be part of my personality. That I I prefer one on one interactions, or I prefer doing things on my own in my own little bubble. But I know when I need to reach out to people, and maybe I feel a little doubt about it, but I still I I, I do it and. The confidence, if I'm in a situation where I'm leading a meeting and it's people I don't know, I, I, I have instant confidence. And a lot of that comes from my experience as a Toastmaster, but it'll always be there. Yeah, it, it's, it's always been there for me too. I share with some, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, that any time I would get in front of the room when I was a Dale Carnegie instructor, there was always a part of me that wanted to run back and just sit in the corner in the back of the room because I would always have a bit of that fear. And even today, just about every time I start an interview, there's a small part of me that sort of like wishes that the person doesn't show up for the interview. Wow. Almost every time. And it's not because I don't want to do it. It's not because I, I'm, the, the motivation isn't there, but it's that like you, I'm more introverted and that fear of like doing something that is kind of unnatural to like just my core personality preferences. And what I've found over the years is that 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 voice is always there. That fear is always there. I think it always will be. I think part of that's healthy, by the way. But that the volume and intensity of that voice is way less than it was years ago. And I can just sort of notice it and like, okay, here's that voice, <laughs> and then set it aside and go on about doing the things that I really want to do that are super important to me. But I think like for me, it's more of like intensity. It's like, can I, do I have to struggle with it? And today it's not a struggle. It's just like, ah, it's there, whatever. It doesn't stop me anymore. And I'm hearing that for you as well, too, that 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 voice, that fear is still there, but it doesn't stop you from doing the things that are so important to your work and that you want to be doing, right? Yeah, it doesn't stop me. And I'm I'm surprised to hear that from you, Dave. But especially with the one-on-one, if it's a one-on-one interview, I think I'm I'm not. I don't have trepidation when it's a one-to-one thing. I, I like reaching out to people one one-on-one. I think it's more in a in a group environment, especially when people are senior to me. That I, I I'm still not having the comfort that I would. Because of all the reps that I've had in Toastmasters, where if I'm the Toastmaster of the day, I'm leading a group of maybe 30, 40 individuals, and I'm going to be the center of the attention, I, I don't have a problem with that. But if, it's, if, it's, if there's like three or four senior leaders involved, ooh. Yeah. It's so interesting how different venues bring out the best in us sometimes, but also bring out some of our fears. And I'm so proud of you for your willingness to jump in on something that you knew was not your preferred way of doing something of learning, like in this case, like working with a cohort, as you mentioned, and yet how much you did with it and the courage you had to work with the group, to get feedback, to then jump in and use the blue marbles every day. You inspired so many of us who were like so, like, it was so joyful to like watch you through the experience to just apply what you were taking away. And it's just amazing what you've done with it, of growing your career, moving into the role that you wanted, and now like having that to be such a core part of your work. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Dave. And, and I, I don't want to put the spotlight just on me. I want, to, I want to also give some to the organization that I'm a part of, PepsiCo R&D. 
I believe it's 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 a fantastic place to be able to grow your career. There's just there's 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 a framework that we have. It's called the PepsiCo way, and it really enables any individual to to use their neck to 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 use their voice. We have things like voice your opinions fearlessly, act as owners, act with integrity. Everybody's on the same page. So when I need help, when I ask for help to grow my career or to help my team, everyone that I reach out to is so receptive. So I, I do want to make that make that case that I don't know if I could have done that anywhere else. Well, and I think you say something really key there too, which is like, this is, this is not one situation. It's not one experience. It's all of the things that come together in a person's career. In your case, going and com- completing your graduate education, PepsiCo's commitment to you, Toastmasters, us in the academy. So it's interesting. Sometimes I'll run into some of our listeners and I'll, I, I like to ask people like, what podcasts are you listening to? And then we'll, we'll kind of like compare lists. And I can tell sometimes people are a little squeamish about like admitting to me that they listen to another business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like in addition to coaching for leaders. And I always think that's really funny of like, of course you would. Part of this is like getting perspective from so many different places. And I think one of the things you've done so well is you've been really, I don't know how much of this was intentional, how much that happened, but you've been really consistent on doing that of getting, yes, the graduate work, yes, Toastmasters, yes, coaching for leaders, yes, like the work you've done internally and the mentoring and coaching. I mean, all of that comes together. As, as a holistic way of us developing ourselves. And I think like that's so good that you, that you did that and you've really done that with such intention in your career. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's that saying, if you know the way broadly, you will see it in all things. You can't just focus on, on being, being the best leader just by taking leadership courses, you know, get different perspective, talk to different people. I don't know, write a book take guitar lessons. Those are other avenues that are still available to me. And I, sh- I should do that because like you said, they're, they're going to just make you better in what, what, re- what you really want to do. George Elzate is a senior R&D manager at PepsiCo and an alum of our academy. George, so grateful for your time. Thank you, Dave. It's been an honor and a pleasure. If this conversation was helpful to you, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 490, Leadership Through Consistency. Joseph Catuno was my guest on that episode, also an alum of our academy. Joseph and I talked about the critical nature of consistency, another key principle for leadership development. And we talked about Joseph's journey with that, how he's done that for himself, how he's utilized it for his own learning, and then more importantly, the actions and behaviors to be a benefit to him and his team. Episode 490, a bit of inspiration for you there. I'd also recommend two episodes we've done on confidence. Ideally, our efforts at consistency and courage lead us to confidence, and these two episodes can also help you there as well. Episode 533, How to Build Confidence with Katie Milkman, an expert on this, tons of research she's done at Wharton in helping us to get better at our confidence. And then I'd also recommend episode 573, How to Protect Your Confidence. Nate Zinzer was my guest on that episode. We talked about his work at West Point with some of the top future leaders, but also just the incredible work he's done in sports psychology to look at how we can better 
at get better rather at protecting our confidence. You know, any of us, doesn't matter how much success we've had, which is one of the the points that Nate makes in that conversation, we can all get our confidence shaken. It's not like confidence is something we turn on and then we eternally have it. Not so at all. Episode 573 is how we can do better, all of us, at protecting our confidence and perhaps just as importantly, what we can do to protect the confidence of the people we have the privilege to work with and serve each day. All of those episodes and more, of course, you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you have not already, I'm inviting you to set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com. That's going to give you access to a ton of benefits inside of the free membership, my own personal library, the weekly leadership guides written personally by me each week, the member cast, and also all of the free audio courses. There are a whole number of them in there that are helpful to you. And if you're looking for a place to start on your courage, perhaps you take my invitation to check out one of those audio courses, How to Create Your Personal Vision. If you want a starting point for the what's next and finding a bit of that courage, that may be just the place for you to begin. It's one of the many audio courses that are inside of the free membership. When you sign up for your free membership, just go over to courses and you'll find all the details there. Again, coachingforleaders.com for all of the details and to get your free membership set up. Thank you so much for joining me on this Saturday cast. The next regular episode is coming on Monday. Wendy Smith joins me to discuss how leaders can solve the toughest problems. Join me for that conversation Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you back then.